Ladies and gentlemen, we're back for another episode of the City of Champions podcast. And my guests this week are from the World Triathlon Series. They are General Manager Stephen Bordeaux and Social Media and Communications Manager Christina Collins. They join me today to talk about the yearly triathlon circuit that brings some of the most elite athletes uh, in this world to top destinations around this world, like Abu Dhabi, Bermuda, Hamburg, Australia's Gold Coast, and of course, Edmonton, Alberta. Now, being our humble Edmontonian selves, we don't often recognize our hometown on lists of top cities, but the truth is that Edmonton is actually one of the world's premier event hosting destinations. Stephen, Christina, and I talk about why that is. We also get into some interesting insights and philosophies behind the sport of triathlon and the World Series events. I hope you all enjoy my chat here with Stephen and Christina. I want to thank you guys for coming, Christina and Stephen. I appreciate it from ITU World Triathlon Series. So how does this break down uh, from the global organized kind of uh, organization to, to what you guys manage? Well, uh, that's the best way to put this. So the, the International Triathlon Union, uh, which is what we fall under, they're, they are like the IIHF of hockey. Okay, uh, so they, they are the Olympic channel. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, they're, they're non-profit, they're um, not the sort of big commercial entity uh, as uh, Ironman. Many people have heard of Ironman before right. and speak about triathlon and that's what they associate triathlon with. And Ironman, I would, Ironman's like the NHL. Hmm. And then ITU in the World Series is like IIHF gotcha. in the hockey. So we have um, the, top of the, the top of the rung, the top rung for triathlon is the World Triathlon Series which is what Edmonton is part of. So Edmonton's one of only eight stops around the world mm-hmm. that hosts the top level of triathlon series racing. Uh, and then under that, there's World Cups and Continental Cups and National Championships and so on and so forth. Okay. And the way it works is everybody, they, uh, the athletes earn points mm-hmm. to eventually get on the start of a World Triathlon Series event. And the World Triathlon Series, triathlon... Uh, is like F1 racing where there's not a single day world championship where someone gets crowns world champion there's a series where you earn points throughout the season and then the, the individual with the most points at the end of the season is actually crowned the world champion so is the philosophy behind that just simply because like, it changes so much like with racing you have the top guys at the top all the time is it the same with triathlon you've got the top people or does it does it uh, does it switch out a lot uh, the, so the theory behind it was um, back in 2006, 2007, what the International Federation found was a lot of the best athletes weren't racing uh, all the races okay. um, because triathlon is a little bit of a different sport. As an endurance sport, the athletes can't race two or three times a week. Uh, you know, they can race every two to three weeks uh, and still stay at the top of their game. So the International Triathlon Union had a World Series going of about 16, 17 races, World Cup races, and then a World Championship. And what they found is a lot of those races were getting watered down because the best athletes couldn't race them all. Gotcha. So they decided they needed to change something, and they looked towards some other sports that have a similar scenario, Mm -hmm. uh, and they came across F1 racing and rally racing. 
Uh, and they found, well, you know, these guys can only race every few weeks because of the, the technology and the engines and the cars and themselves, so on and so forth. Right. Uh, and it seems to work for them, so why don't we try something like that? <laughs> okay, so it's kind of a trial and error thing. And I was looking at the schedule, and you've got races as close as two weeks apart, and, or just under two weeks, and then you've got some as long apart as one and a half months, I think it was. Mm -hmm. So the challenges associated with that must change drastically depending on how, how close. Do you have anyone that races back to back like in those two week spans? Yeah, so uh, funny enough, after all that change that we went through as an organization mm -hmm. about 10 years ago, uh, what we found is now more and more races are getting shorter distances. Um, and so the athletes are racing every week. Okay. And not in so much in Canada, but in Europe for sure, and a little bit in Australia and New Zealand. Triathlon's huge. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these athletes also have race uh, domestic series. So there's lots of leagues in Europe, in Germany, France, um, in Switzerland, in Great Britain, down in Australia, where these athletes also race as part of a professional team. Uh, so they are, you know, those leagues run at certain times of the year, which is where you see larger gaps within the, the calendar oh, for okay. the World Series. I see. Because the triathlon decided, you know, we're not a, a huge, huge sport. Um, we're one of the youngest Olympic sports, so why are we trying to compete against ourselves? Right. Um, there's only, you know, we, want, we all want the best athletes at all of our events. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's been a lot of work that's been done over the past 10 years to build a calendar that supports these other events and allows the athletes to make a living right. in reality. Uh, these athletes, you know, they get a little bit of funding from their, you know, Olympic body in their, in their host country, but a lot of them rely on prize money. Mm -hmm. So they need to race these, these, you know, heavily prize money national series in Europe and then still do the world series because of course they want world championship, Olympic points, they want to go to the Olympics, right. so on and so forth. So. That's how the calendar's kind of taken shape. So in the in the breaks then between the races, they'll go back to their home country or they'll go to other races around and, and this is how they, man like how do they manage that travel? Because travel is super taxing on the body. Like it's, uh, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they live out of a suitcase for nine, 10 months of the year. Yeah. Uh, and they build their calendar, just like you said. So they might, they might do the Abu Dhabi World Series race mm -hmm. in the spring. Then they might head over down to Australia uh, and do race their domestic series, you know, race six or seven times, get a little bit of prize money and sort of set up shop there mm -hmm. for a month, a month and a half and okay. train out of Australia. Then they'll come over to Europe and do some, maybe there's one or two World Series races in Europe and then they'll train in between there. But a lot of these uh, these athletes, they're, they're like gypsies. I mean, they're never home. They're home for a month a year. Yeah. Um, but it's the sacrifice they make. Right. I mean, these, are, these individuals are extremely driven competitors mm -hmm. and they know to be at the top of their game and to be the best in their sport and to represent their country at the Olympics and make a living of this they've got to make those sacrifices so the Olympics like most sport is sort of the pinnacle of, of this sport as well is that right it is yeah there's um, the Olympics are I mean it's an Olympic sport so a lot of these these athletes get into it quite young mm -hmm. uh, and then they realize they're pretty good at it. Yeah, I noticed that. Like most are like in their early 20s. I looked at the world rankings of men and women. Mm -hmm. Like the oldest guy on your top 75 men is only 34. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a, young guy, a young guy's game or? It is, it's turned into a young guy's game. Back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> back in the 90s when it just sort of got up and going as a sport. Um, the distances were longer. Mm -hmm. It was based off that longer endurance racing, so two, three, four hours worth of racing. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of an older guy's game. Okay. An older and why has it gotten shorter now? Television. 
Okay. So um, what what triathlon was sort of told way back when was you know. Uh, if you want to be a legitimate sport, you got to be on TV. Right. And I'm sorry to say, not many television stations are going to take a four-hour race yeah. following somebody sitting on their bike for two hours. Right. It needs to be short and punchy, you know, an hour, two hours tops, mm -hmm. lots of action going on, multiple laps. So that's where you things. get the sprint distance. In. And so sprint distance is... Is uh, what's the length of each event? So the the sprint distance is a uh, 750 meter swim. Okay, um, how long does that take? Like an average person, I've oh. never swam 750 kilometers. An average Albertan, <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> okay, average person maybe 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Okay, that's straight swimming. Like that's, that's straight swimming. That's yeah. tough. Okay, and then oh. and then you bike after you swim. Yeah, then they bike for 20 kilometers. Okay, um, which, which is. The average person again would take probably about forty-five minutes, okay, fifty minutes to do, mm -hmm. uh, and then it's a five-kilometer run at the end. Gotcha. Which again, the average person is about half an hour. Okay, so it's really yeah, it's hour. really not like this ultra endurance thing. It's like it's almost a sprint on each of the three. It is and at the top level. A lot of these guys and gals, they I mean, so the average person might take twenty minutes to do the swim. Mm -hmm. um, the top level, they're taking eight minutes to do the swim. Wow, uh, and they're That's taking unreal. you know. 25, 27 minutes to do the bike. Mm -hmm. So almost half the time. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty amazing because most most of these top level triathletes could qualify at a national level in each of the individual sports. Right, of course. I mean, they, they just like the, the allure of putting them all together. That's it. I don't know what it is. It's the little bit, they, they must like the torture or something like that. And, uh, and then will the triathletes in the Olympics, will they compete in other sports? Like, a, like sprinters will do 100 meter, 200 meter, the relay. Like, will, will the triathletes do any other sports? Uh, it's not, traditionally not within triathlon, although that's all going to change in Tokyo. Uh, for the 2020 Olympics, mm -hmm. triathlon is the first. Uh, it, it has a new medal, and it's the first summer Olympic sport to have a mixed team event. Oh, okay. So uh, triathlon actually was on the fast road to having being the first Olympic sport, period. But then figure skating kind of got ahead of them in the last Olympics in Pyeongchang yeah. with their mixed events. Right. Um, so in t uh, 2020 in Tokyo, there will be a mixed team relay event for triathlon. Mm -hmm. So whereas triathlon's always been one single medal sport, mm -hmm. uh, in Tokyo there'll be two. So there will be an opportunity for athletes to race multiple events. Okay. And so the mixed relay is quite exciting and we're very excited because in Edmonton this year actually we're hosting one of only three mixed relay qualifiers in the world. Right. Okay. So, and, so walk us through the mixed relay. Sure. So it's the way it works is it's there's four members to every team. Uh, each nation gets to put in a team, um, and it's uh, girl, boy, girl, boy, okay. uh, woman, man, woman, man. So women always go first in triathlon. That's yeah. from the very beginning. Women are always first. Uh, so uh, and each one of those four athletes do a, a mini triathlon on their own. Okay. So they swim, bike, run, mm -hmm. tag their partner. The next one, swim, bike, runs, tag, swim, bike, run, tag, swim, bike, run. Oh, okay. And then it's the first nation to cross the line. Right. It's the winner. So when you say a mini triathlon, how long, how long would that be for each of you? Uh, so they'll swim about 300 meters. Okay. Uh, they'll bike about five kilometers mm -hmm. and they'll run a, a mile. So that's a straight out sprint. Straight out for guys. these guys. It's 15 minutes of straight sprinting. Uh, heart rate. That's super exciting. Yeah. It's. <laughs> We're very excited, and this is part of the move of making triathlon more of a spectator-friendly sport, right? And more friendly for television and and all that. Mm -hmm. So it's it's great because there's where like I like I mentioned before, triathlon traditionally has been that sort of you know they come out of the swim, they head out on the bike, hey, there they go, yeah. 
and you kind of wait around waiting for them to come back on the bike. Yeah. Um, whereas the mixed relay, uh, even though it, even with the short distances, it's still multiple multiple laps. Right. So it's two or three laps on the bike. So they're coming through every two minutes, right. one minute. And as the race goes on and the athletes start to spread out a little bit, mm-hmm. it's constantly. There's athletes coming through all the time. Right. So it's very, very spectator friendly and much more TV savvy. Yeah, I understand. So what what drew you both to triathlon in the first place? Christina, let's get a, let's get a yeah, word in from you. <laughs> well, I grew up in a, a small city in Newfoundland and they were hosting triathlons since I could remember really and I just it was always such a challenge I could never I could never do one I couldn't swim so I always volunteered and they always had a great party after Mm -hmm. and when I moved to Edmonton Sheila and the team started hosting World Cups so I'm like oh and Sheila is Sheila O'Kelly so she was kind of the pioneer of bringing like the ITU to to Edmonton and Mm -hmm. I think Stephen was on that team from the beginning as well Mm -hmm. But, um, no, it was the challenge of it, really. I mean, we all kind of swim, bike, and run as kids growing up, but you never really think of putting them all together. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, like, the challenge of doing that is just, I don't know, it's it's pretty cool. So So at what point did you start competing? Well, (laughs) I, I could swim, like, you know, from getting point A to B, but I couldn't do laps, like, watching all these people do so mm-hmm. I think it was after I had my first child I thought you know what if I can do this I can really do anything so I joined the Y yeah. I took some stroke improvement classes mm-hmm. went from swimming 50 meters to 2500 meters and then after that Jeez. I knew I could do it that's in that's insane like most people can't even run 2500 <laughs> meters what what part of the triathlon would be the most challenging for people is it typically the swimming I would say. Yeah, I would agree. So, yeah. I mean, it's the, um, we have a bit of an inside joke in Alberta. The people usually get into the sport as a duathlete, so yeah. no swimming, just biking and running. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they graduate into a full triathlon with the swim, bike, run. Mm-hmm. And then as they get older, their knees give out on them and they right. can't run anymore. So then they become an aqua biker. So and they just do the swim bike, and that's kind of the that's sort of the the graduation of triathletes uh, in Alberta. And as, sort of as as you start doing more of these, do you does one does one aspect of it sort of take on you know a preference? To you? Do you start enjoying one more than the other? Are you like I hate the swimming, but I like the biking, and or you, you know, know what? I would say every event's kind of different. Right. I I would say I'm just even Steven on all of them and I would come to say I actually usually enjoy the swim funny enough (laughs) the most maybe because it's the shortest I don't I don't know (laughs) is it always is it always first it's always it's always first okay so it always goes swim bike run yeah and what is there any philosophy behind that or is that just that's how it was set up and that's how it is uh, well, that's just kind of how it is. Get you wet and so you're soaked swim, first. Yeah. And get that out of the way first. Because yeah. it's hard to put on a, a bathing suit or a wetsuit after you've been biking or running and all sweaty and stuff. Right. So put the swim first and then someone sort of decided, well, next maybe we'll do the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last finishing off with the run. It was, uh, it was actually a group. It was a track group in San Diego. In 1973, I think, mm-hmm. that started the first triathlons. Right. That's that's the first sort of documented and recorded history of triathlon happening was this track club who were just sick of running all the time on the beach. And so they decided, hey, let's just jump in the water and do a quick little <laughs> swim out to the island and back. And yeah. then we'll do our track workout. Mm-hmm. 
and then somebody came up with the idea. It's oh, let's do a bike, or you know, half the club would bike to the to the beach for the workout. Right. So like, well, let's do the little swim, and then we'll run, and then we'll take the bike out and do a quick lap, and that'll be our workout rather than just running laps back and forth on the beach for an hour. Yeah. I can certainly understand the uh, almost like boredom that sets in from that endurance activity of just one thing repetitively. Mm-hmm. Like I did the MS bike a couple weeks ago, and I was training, and like I don't bike a lot, and I don't really run long distances either. So I started riding around the city, and I'd get to like. 20 30k and i'd be so bored (laughs) that i just decide okay well i'm just gonna bike to the stairs and i'll do stair sprints for 45 minutes and then i'll get back on the bike so i can certainly see the progression of how how a sport like that would evolve yeah um i was reading a bit about like the the history of triathlon and i think it goes back even to the 1920s in france they used to have three sports they called it uh the uh, le trois sport Mm -hmm. if i butchered that pronunciation (laughs) but um but yeah it's super interesting that it's that it's come this far and so what Stephen what was your first introduction to the sport what allured you uh so funny enough um in 1995 um I got invited by a friend of a friend um through Sheila Kelly Mm -hmm. um in St. Albert St. Albert had St. Albert has a long history of triathlon um funny enough from back in the early, late 80s, actually, the Albert Triathlon Club was started. Um, so right when triathlon was just getting going as a sport. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there had been a local triathlon that had been happening and had kind of known about it, but then I got invited to be a volunteer at World Junior, or sorry, Junior National Championships. Uh, we're in St. Albert in 1995. And I was a teenager at the time, so I got invited to come down on the course with a ghetto blaster. They had ghetto <laughs> blasters back then. And play some music and just cheer on the athletes and, mm-hmm. you know, be a cheer squad for yeah. the most part. So me and my buddy got together. We got a ghetto blaster. We made a mixtape. It was awesome. <laughs> what, was on that mix, <laughs> what was on that mixtape back in 1997, you said? Uh, 95. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was some CNC Music Factory that was on there. Yeah. There was uh, some Young MC was on there. Uh, I think there was some Hathaway was on there. All the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was back in the big shiny tunes days. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the much dance mix and oh, electric yeah, circus true. days. Awesome. Took our cue from electric circus. <laughs> so the um, so yeah, we just had a blast. Uh, we had and we had kind of knew what triathlon was, but didn't really think anything of it. Right. And then about three years later, someone told me that Edmonton was going to host the World Championships uh, in two thousand and one. And there's going to be this big Continental Cup and the best triathletes in the world were going to come out. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I should go down and volunteer and check that out. And so I volunteered for the first one in 1998, 1999, I believe. And I was like, oh, this is neat. I need to do one of these. Right. I was mountain biking at the time. That was kind of my thing. And I was like, oh, I need to try one of these. It doesn't look too hard. Even though I had never swam more than like from the diving board to the <laughs> edge at the local yeah. pool. And I was like, I got to give one of these a try. And uh, so I signed up in 2000 for my first triathlon and, and you know, I, I trained, I joined a local master's club to learn how to swim properly. And I had my old baggy O'Neill, um, like wakeboarding wetsuit on uh, yeah. and the big baggy yeah, swim trunks. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember showing up to the pool with my big baggy trunks on. And the swim coach is like, no, those aren't going to do. You're going to need this. And he pulls out this tiny little blue Speedo and he's like, you're going to have to wear this. And you're like, where's the rest of it? Yeah, exactly. And so... But that was it. And then I did my first triathlon in 2000. Uh, I volunteered at the 2001 World Championships, and then that was kind of it. I was hooked from there. 
it seems like kind of a common thread between both of you that you're exposed to the sport for a little bit of time before you ended up kind of taking the plunge, so to speak, and getting into yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys think that is? Uh, well, I, yeah. I truly think that, like, it's not just a sport. Like, it is a lifestyle, and mm-hmm. it's great community. And I feel like we come in all shapes and sizes, and we're all out there supporting each other no matter what ability you are. So I, re- I really like that mm-hmm. community feel about it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and similar for myself, it was, I had associated triathlon when I, you know, when I looked it up and tried and researched it with this Iron Man thing mm-hmm. that was, you know, 12 hours in the sun. You had to have a six pack to do it and you had to be in Uber shape. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm never going to be there. Right. And then I got involved with the local triathlon and I saw that, oh no, you know, this is about an hour, two hours in length. Mm-hmm. There's people every shape, size, age. You know, there was 15 year old, 14 year old kids doing it and 80 year old adults doing it. And I was like, oh, I could do this. Mm-hmm. I think I could do this. It'd be a challenge. Um, but I think I could give this a go. Yeah. It seems, it seems like that sort of like the unknown of it, like Mm -hmm. the misconceptions is probably something you guys fight often with it. Right. Like I, before started looking up info on this podcast was just under the impression that it was like five, six hours. It's just like a marathon almost. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's so many different iterations of it too. Like the Ironman, the ultra marathon, the ultra iron triathlon you know so I, th- I think it's it's great to get people you know aware of like it's it's not a massive commitment but yet it's something that if you or incorporate into your yearly calendar it's going to benefit you in all sorts of ways in your life mm-hmm. are there any particular um sort of transformational stories anyone in, in particular that you know of or can think of that like you know got into this and it's completely changed their lives i I do. We've been running a corporate program for the last few years, and Mm -hmm. I've been with everyone kind of cheering them on, and we have a few people that, again, like myself, couldn't swim, and now have signed up for, like, a half Ironman. Mm -hmm. Like, this... The challenge just continues. Like, you want to get faster in the small... in the shorter distances, but then you want to go, well, what else will my body let me do? Mm -hmm. And so... um, We've had a few women actually that that have continued to do that and just feel stronger, healthier, more confident, mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine the the satisfaction and the drive that comes from completing one of these, especially for the first time. You're probably like, if I can do this, I can do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that I know that have tried it and gotten into it, that's. Mm-hmm. That's kind of been the purpose behind it. It's like a sense of accomplishment. It's like, I've heard of these triathlon things. I'd love to check that box. Right. Um, And then most people, after they do it once, they realize, you know, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. I'm not toast Mm -hmm. at the end of it. I feel like I could do another one. And they enjoy going back to that sort of cross-training single sport. A lot of people get into it and they realize, you know, training for it is great. You know, I can't run seven times a week. Right. I can't run for 10 hours a week, but I could swim, bike, run, and strength train for 10 hours a week. Right. And it still gives me something to work towards. I don't know about you, but I'm one of those people that if I don't have a goal or something to work towards, yeah. I'm not doing nothing. Oh, you, be, you get <laughs> listless, right? And you just sort of, you just get lost in the doldrums of life. Um, so what's your, what's your training regimens look like for this kind of thing? Oh, uh, these days for myself, it's it's mostly chasing my three little kids around. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't raced in a number of years. Um, well, for me, I generally will try to fit in like two of each 
does two workouts of each discipline, like, yeah. so two swims, two bikes, two runs. Um, that's not lazy, but it's just that's to like maintain. Right. It's not necessarily to get any better. Minimum viable exercise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, it difference. I know. I know. Some people um, that train like 20 hours a week mm -hmm. and this is their thing and this is what they do. They have the time and they can afford to train 20 hours a week. Right. Uh, and then some that, you know, they do a five, six hours a week just to kind of maintain fitness and be healthy enough to go race a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and they just use it as sort of the, the means to stay healthy. Right. So you're measuring your yardstick every mm -hmm. year, a couple times a year. Yeah. What about the, the top elite level people? Are they, you know, how, how do they stay in shape if they're consistently doing these events throughout the year? Yeah, so funny enough, when back back in the day again, in the 90s or so, when <laughs> things were really starting up and- We've established that the 90s were the day. day. Yeah, was <laughs> the day for this audience. <laughs> the, uh, you know, a lot of the athletes back then, the more, more the better. Mm -hmm. They were driven to try and train as much as possible. And they kind of figured, you know, if they could sustain 30, 40, 50 hours of training a week, then they'd be the best in the world. And the drive was always the, well, how much did you, are you training? I'm training 42 hours a week. Well, I'm training 45 hours a week. Right, and not realizing that recovery and rest is exactly. just as valuable. Yeah. yeah, and so now as triathlons kind of progressed to a legitimate sport and it's got more national federations and high-performance coaches and the science behind it, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the elite athletes now are finding right around that 30-hour mark mm -hmm. is the optimum that's where they can get the most training in to tax their system but still allow enough recovery right time that they can really truly benefit from the games yeah and what about like off season is there an off season for some of these guys in which they're not doing triathlons but they're like back in the gym or maybe doing some weight training like what's what's the philosophy there yeah again Late, lately, the past five or six years, um, strength training in the off season has become a huge thing, mm -hmm. uh, and mobility training. So a lot of mobility training and movements and yoga and stretching, because these these top level athletes are racing for eight nine months consistent. Mm -hmm. A lot of those small things kind of go by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So their off season of two three months they find is the time that they can get in some good strength training and some good stretching and mobility exercises to be ready to go for, you know, nine straight months of training and racing. Right, well, yeah, you gotta like rebalance and reset the body because mm -hmm. if you've got one thing that's slightly off kilter, like you run harder on one side than the other, mm -hmm. that can just absolutely get worse exponentially mm -hmm. over the course of a nine month season and you gotta reset. The interesting thing I think too is even for endurance athletes, they're realizing more and more that strength training is an essential component to be a marathon runner, you shouldn't just be running, you should be incorporating muscle building as well. Yeah. Um, the head researchers at Nike have found that you take the top performers in a marathon and their their times correlate with their ability to generate force in like a hex bar deadlift. Mm -hmm. And actually that exercise over any other exercise, you can predict how fast and how, how good someone can run over mm -hmm. the course of a marathon, which is so like kind of counterintuitive when you think about it. Like what, what should lifting a weight off the floor have any any relation to my my time mm -hmm. in a marathon? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 kind of wild to think. So it's it's cool to see sport progress and then as that, you know, as the top level guys mm -hmm. realize these things, it trickles down to us normal folk. Mm -hmm. And we can incorporate that into our lives. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting to see even at the top level, more and more of them, like the triathletes in their off season, they're told, you know, do something else. 
Right. Don't sit on a road bike for five hours a day. Go mountain biking, do mm-hmm. cycle cross, mm-hmm. you know, do some trail running, do some cross country skiing, do like try other things. Right. Um, just to give the body a bit of a break. Is that hard for them? Because I mean, like when you're good at something, you want to you want to do that. You don't really want to branch out and go do things you're not good at. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that would be a little bit of a challenge. Or maybe they're yeah. just sick of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a bit of burnout. Yeah, and I think it's it is hard for them because if you know any elite level athletes, you know, like they there's a reason they're at the top level of the game. They are so committed and so passionate, and they sacrifice so much to be at that level that mm-hmm. it's hard for them to to not be training all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a huge problem in the sport of triathlon. I don't know what other sports um, with young athletes getting involved and overtraining and getting injured. And, you know, they do so well as a junior. Then they turn 18, 19, and they start racing a little bit more. And then, you know, the tw- by 20, they're peaking they're at the top of their game. They're winning their podium, having podiums at events, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, they get one injury, and then they try and train through the injury. And then they're finding in triathlon a lot, especially with the younger athletes, the psychological side of it mm-hmm. is just as important. The physiological side of it, right. training them, training them mentally on how to train and how to train properly. Yeah, and I wonder if that's changed over you know decades or generations, so to speak. I mean, like everyone talks about like the generations that are growing up now are softer and don't know as much struggle, which isn't their fault, right? Their parents have been successful, and now they've gone through phases where they don't have to work as much or you know they don't learn the value of hard work because their parents are able to give them things and so I wonder I wonder if there's a you know a correlation and resiliency that's kind of gone downward over time yeah we'll definitely see Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I still see like the kids with the Edmonton Triathlon Academy though the head coach uh, Kevin Clark there still having to rein kids back really so that they don't do too much too soon yeah yeah it's i don't know what it is it's i've always had sort of a a theory in my head that you know to be at a top level of any sort of sport you have to be a little bit obsessive compulsive yeah right you have to be so committed to it um to be at that top level yeah i i would agree because you just wouldn't have the focus otherwise Mm -hmm. right Yeah. yeah Uh, yeah, it's interesting too, like the injury thing, like we don't realize we see the top performers at the Olympics all the time and they're just back to back to back Olympics, like crushing it. Like mm-hmm. I just watched the Usain Bolt documentary a couple nights ago mm-hmm. and you don't you never realize how many injuries he had to overcome because he just performed at mm-hmm. the Olympics all the time. But you see their struggle and you see like you have to do that for such a long period of time. Like how can mm-hmm. you do that if you're not obsessive about it, right? It's quite the journey. Yeah, and you have, like, these top athletes at any sort of level of any sport are on the line, right? Like, they're training, they're walking that line, that Mm -hmm. thin line between injury and being the best. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to, you know, slip and step over the line into the injury realm. Yeah. And it's especially easy, especially with younger athletes, because they don't quite know their bodies. They don't know their limits, right? And their bodies are changing every week or every month, too, right? Yeah. So the Kids of Steel event. Tell, Tell us about that a little bit. Well, it's... It's my favorite event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's kids age three to fifteen, and of like just short distances, like mm-hmm. one length of the pool for the little guys, and they go around the parking lot, and then it's like a little dash to the finish. Like it's, yeah. it's really just to introduce them to it because it can be quite intimidating when you're older, but if you start, just have fun. It's it's a great way to introduce kids to the sport. Right. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they love having their numbers on them. 
that's the I've had my kids have all gone through the kids of steel mm-hmm. and it's it's fun like it's done in 10 minutes right yeah and but they still feel that sense of accomplishment and triathlon still has sort of that stigma to it yeah and it's always funny whenever my kids do a triathlon because you got to write numbers they get numbers written on their bodies yeah so that you can tell who they are <laughs> and they don't want to bathe for like a month afterwards because <laughs> my, my my numbers are going to come off dad no I don't want to shower my numbers going to come off everybody at school asks me about what the numbers are for and I tell them it's because I did a triathlon I think it's the coolest thing and um, but the kids and that's that's the key to the sport any sport right is developing that pipeline Mm -hmm. and getting kids exposed to it earlier Mm -hmm. Um, and there more and more I'm reading about research showing that you know single single sport focus is not the way to go for kids you know even if your kid shows a lot of talent and promise in hockey or something like that just sticking them in hockey all the time is not the way to go Mm -hmm. they need some they they need to be more well-rounded and that's where we find, I mean, triathlon, especially, I mean, even at the elite level and older levels, a lot of people come from that single sport background yeah. and they get burnt out. Yeah. You know, I was a competitive swimmer for years and years and years. And I was just was done with swimming at 15. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, and triathlon provides another opportunity for them to continue with that healthy living. They don't just stop sport altogether. Right. Um, and then find something else, but they can, they can continue to train and um, be active active and fit and you know live a healthy lifestyle but it's more more variety right and i think you i was reading that you there's less injuries amongst triathletes than than there are amongst you know single sport individuals as well you don't get that repetition fatigue you don't get that chronic injury thing because you're Mm -hmm. cross training because you're switching it up Mm -hmm. definitely yeah yeah it's yeah, it's, and triathlon, it's, it's great, especially in Edmonton, the community that's been built in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough, I, I got to work for the International Federation for years, and I got to travel around and see these different World Cups and World Championship events happening in different countries. And I used to always tell people, you know, where I come from, like, triathlon is just ingrained in the community. Like, Edmonton, like, it's amazing. Edmonton, like, who would have thunk it? Yeah. In northern Alberta, in Canada, where it's winter six months of the year, that we have such a strong triathlon culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we don't even really have a lot of lakes to swim in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the more kind of sloughs. But, um, and it's amazing that we've been able to build this sort of community around this sport, um, here in northern Alberta on the prairies mm-hmm. and uh, and more and more people that get involved come from other sports and they see a triathlon whether it's our triathlon or the coronation triathlon or the Summerside or victory um, there's almost every weekend there's an opportunity for people to give the sport a try right which I think is hugely valuable because you know the rising tides float all boats and yeah so we're all as event organizers yeah. we're all benefiting Mm-hmm. by having more individuals in the sport. Well, it's great to see such a massive world event come to our city, right? Like that's, I think that even though we're starting to get more and more of those, it still kind of comes to a shock. Uh, it comes as a shock to people in Edmonton, right? Because mm-hmm. we always think of ourselves as off the beaten path, you know, Northern Alberta, like, you know, no one really, anytime you're abroad and you people ask where you're from, you're like, Edmonton. Alberta, Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's ah, like, Canada. Ah, Toronto? No. Yeah, exactly. Is Vancouver. That, no. Is that by exactly? <laughs> Vancouver, Toronto, you're like kind of in between both. But um, yeah, it's awesome. So we had the event in 2001, the mm-hmm. World Championship. And then we had it again in 2014. And we have another one coming up. Yes. So um, we'll be the first um, city besides Lausanne, right, they've hosted it three times, to host the grand final three times. So while we've had like an ITU event, 
pretty much every year since then, except for a small hiatus. Mm -hmm. To host the a grand final for the third time, it, it's pretty impressive. So that's the last one of a of a series. Yeah. Or of a season. And so with that, you have your elites, but then you also have age groupers mm -hmm. who qualify. So okay. it's it's a race that you have to qualify for. You can't just sign up. So you have about 4,000 like regular Joe Blows. Masters, yeah. Yeah. Come and, and come to the city and see what we're all about. So what age grouper? What's an age grouper? So age grouper would be probably about 16 to 100. Yeah. yeah. So in 2014, we had Sister Madonna, and she was about she's about 85 now. Okay. Maybe 86, and she was probably our oldest competitor, and mm -hmm. she was just amazing. Like age is no limit. Right. It's beautiful mm -hmm. to see. So age grouper is is just the amateurs that all race together. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I see. Yeah, triathlon. Um, smartly back in the day they decided rather than having a world championships for the elites mm -hmm. and you know the junior elites and so on and the world championships for masters athletes so amateurs okay like most sports like cycling and running you know they have a elite world championships and then they have a masters world championships that mm -hmm. happen separately different dates different cities everything separate mm -hmm. triathlon decided at back at the beginning well let's make let's do them together right so it's really beneficial for a city and a community such as Edmonton to host one of these because not only do you get the international television exposure of the elites and the best athletes and, you know, um, you know, the grand final will be broadcast over 140 million houses to 90 countries around the wow. world. Like, oh, that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Um, globally, uh, but as well, you get all the economic impact of having four thousand visitors come to your community mm -hmm. to race in the age group, the amateur event. Oh, so these are amateurs that will travel with the event as well. Yeah, so they're oh, from okay. other countries. They're not Canadians. Why do they? What? Why? Where'd the name age groupers come from? That's confusing. Know. And then the amateurs are the masters. Like it seems <laughs> all well, reversed. Age groupers. So basically, what happens is you're in five year age categories. Oh, okay. So it, what's your age group? Oh, mm. I'm like 40 to 45. Gotcha. So that's, I guess, where that originally came from. And Masters is just like, not old. Like It's a polite no, way to say it. Nice polite way, way to say so. old, right? A lot of sports Masters is only 30 plus. So it's the, yeah, yeah it's the, but that, so, so the um, Edmonton for the third time will host this event, okay. which is very unusual. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because typically, you know, people, they look at the series and they see cities like Auckland and Sydney and Abu Hamburg Dhabi. and Abu Dhabi yeah. and London mm -hmm. and Chicago and Rio de Janeiro mm -hmm. and then Edmonton. Right. And the question always like, why? Like, how did Edmonton <laughs> get on this list? Uh, and Edmonton has um, hosted the most World Cups and World Championship level events of any city in the world in the sport of triathlon and it's because of the community that's been built here mm -hmm. it's because of a group of individuals um, that back in the 90s and early 2000s decided we're going to do this and the community in the city has gotten behind that right. um, I, I'm like I said I've been lucky enough to travel to these other events and when I tell people it's oh yeah you know typically Edmonton we get about you know five six hundred volunteers they're just like what what do you mean you get like like people give their time for free to come down. What happens in these other cities? So uh, I'm pretty sure it was, it was either Germany or Hungary when I was telling the guy. And they're like, 
nobody volunteers here. Like <laughs> every single person you see out on the course is paid. Really? They don't. Nobody gives up their time for free. Well, we might have to edit that out, or you're gonna have to start paying your volunteers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it is, and people can't believe it. Um, and, you know, uh, we're heavily supported by the city of Edmonton and mm -hmm. the other levels of government because they see the value in having Edmonton and Alberta on the map mm -hmm. uh, and being out there in the world. Absolutely. And, you know, these other cities are like, oh, you mean, you mean like the city supports you? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they let you close the roads and they help you with your, with your lake. And that's, that's amazing. We've got to pay for it all. And, you know, wow. they don't want us here and we're a burden yeah. and so on and so forth. And we have to pay to fix our own potholes and all this sort of thing. And they can't Potholes? How, how hard are these guys <laughs> biking? Right, so. Jesus. So, so they're always amazed when we tell them about, you know, right. they ask why Edmonton and then we explain this that and you know we're so well supported as a community that for the international federation for the athletes that come they constantly say like it's just so nice it's mm -hmm. like being at home we're well we're welcomed with open arms people right. are at the airport you know the city's supportive yeah. uh it's such a nice like it's so nice um because triathlon to a lot of these bigger cities you know a, a triathlon is not a big enough deal right um, so to a Chicago and to a London and to a Hamburg and so on and Sydney, it's the, well, you know, we don't, we don't really need you. Yeah. We'll tolerate you. We'll tolerate you, but we don't really need you. Mm -hmm. We're a triathlon. It's a nice fit for Edmonton because it's the perfect size that yeah. it's large enough internationally, but small enough sort of of a sport, mm -hmm. um, that's a perfect fit for Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton can afford to support it and they've got the community to support it and then they get the exposure that comes with it. We just probably totally take for granted what we have in, in this city, in this country, and, you know, the support that our government gives us in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, do you think it has to do with the size of Edmonton? Like, we're, we're a global city in the sense that, like, we have big business and we have lots of head offices here. Um, but we're also not a huge city because we're just north of a million. Mm -hmm. So do you think that has plays a factor in it as well? Like, we're, we're big enough to be international but small enough to actually be able to rally the support of the whole city? Yeah, I would definitely think that's the case. Um, I've been to a few other events as well, kind of Mexico and 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 Chicago, and you don't really feel the support from from there. No, there's too much going on. Yeah. and got too many other things on the go, and whereas mm -hmm. when when you're on our course, you know you feel safe. The mm -hmm. road is closed. No car is gonna hit you. Mm -hmm. um, you know the water's been taken care of. There's strict guidelines that we have to take care of, and yeah, we make it as safe and as fun for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Like it's it's just it's. Um, I was in a meeting with a lady who was heavily involved in the IAAF World Championships in 2001. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, we tried to rally the city behind the elite athletes coming and this big event and global television, all this sort of stuff. And she said, you know, we struggled and struggled. And then finally we sort of hit on, you know, that's, this is Edmonton. We're proud to be Edmontonians. Corporations are proud to be in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So we need to build on that feeling of, you know, this is Edmonton, we're hosting this, let's show the world what we can do, and that Edmonton proud sort of thing. Yeah. And when she said that, it really resonated with me, and I said, I was like, that's exactly it. Like, it's just Edmonton proud. Like, mm -hmm. this is just what we do. Yeah. We're so... We always show up for those big, big moments, right? We whether do. Whether it be the World Juniors, or whether it be, you know, Global City, the Indy, and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, MS, we have the biggest MS race in Canada, mm -hmm. and, and the triathlon too, obviously. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just what we do. And I, and I think it's been, you know, at the beginning, it's been a bit of a conscious effort from the city. I mean, mm-hmm. being an event city and festival city and mm-hmm. actively trying to go get these events and bring them here, they see it. But I mean, it's the, e- even when we're out there, you know, asking for soliciting corporate sponsorship, um, you know, it's, it's always, we've tried using firms that are from like these big firms out of Vancouver and Toronto and, you know, doing yeah. the big global sort of thing. And what it always comes down to is Edmonton community supporting the Edmonton event. Right. That's what it is. They want to talk to somebody Edmonton. They love the fact that we're a local organizing committee, a nonprofit group. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, an event management company out of France. Right. That's wandering in and trying to put on this event and then we'll leave. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're Edmontonians. What's and the process involved in the bid to get these events? Uh, so th- the way it works is um, the International Triathlon Union opens up for bids mm-hmm. uh, every year. And then essentially Edmonton puts a bid forward. There's a large package that gets filled out. There's mm-hmm. a large business plan that's built. Um, and then you we typically somebody goes and presents to the International Triathlon Federation at is their that annual you? general meeting. Uh, it hasn't been me up to this point. Okay. Moving forward, it will be me. Okay. Um, I'm only three months on the job. Okay. And congrats. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, and that's typically the way it is. And if you've got a strong enough bid, like we have in Edmonton or had in the past, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll enter multi-year agreements. Oh, okay. So they'll either do a one-off if yeah. you're a new a newbie right. uh, and just see how it goes. Test the waters. Yeah. But because Edmonton's been doing this and doing it well for so many years, we actually in 2015 signed a five-year agreement. Oh, that's amazing. Which was the first ever five-year agreement the IT has ever signed for well, hosting. To, ha- to have that to have that five years, to have that security too, you can continually mm-hmm. build year after year, right? You know, you're like, okay, year one, we can do this. And by year three and five, we're, we're broadening the mm-hmm. scope of all this stuff. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, and so we're very fortunate because the ITU recognizes the work that's done here and the mm-hmm. support of the community, and so it was a no-brainer for them. They said, well, how many years do you want? <laughs> and we said, I don't know, five? Sure, okay. Um, Shit, we should have gone for more. <laughs> uh, so, so talk about the Edmonton event that's coming up. What are the dates? What you know? Where is it? What are the things people need to know? Sure, so it's uh, July 27th and 28th, and mm-hmm. it's actually Friday, Saturday. Okay, those are good days. Yeah, (laughs) we're in Horlack Park. Okay. So the Friday starts off with um, the World Para Triathlon Series, which is another kind of newer series that was developed. And again, we're we're one of the few stops for them. Is this the first year for that? No, we've been having Para for for since 2014, mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. Um, but again, those are the most inspirational events. Oh, I can imagine. To be like, you just watch how, like the effort it took for them to even get to that level. It's yeah. just amazing. It brings a tear to my eye every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the elite women and men mm-hmm. that go, and we're gonna ha- introduce a Friday night party in the park. Okay. Yeah, so um, what, what we have found over the past couple of years is the, um, what has been dropping is our spectators. Right. Um, I think people are getting used to the event that happens year after year, and, you know, it's kind of lost. Take it for granted. Yeah, exactly. So we're not seeing as many people come down to cheer on, which is uh, unfortunate because a lot of work and effort goes into hosting these athletes. They're here, international television, so on and so forth. We mm-hmm. want people down in the park to watch yeah. and cheer them on. So uh, we've decided this year on Friday night when the elites are racing um, is that we'll host a party in the park as well. So it's not just the triathlon going on. Mm-hmm. 
but because uh, it's over dinner, we'll have um, food trucks. I think we've got 10 food trucks signed up to come down. We'll have a large beer gardens. We'll have backyard games, activities, fire pits. Um, lots of an open dance party, so a live Amazing. outdoor dance party yeah. DJ Harmon B and his DJ crew are coming down and cool. doing a yeah. big dance party mm-hmm. uh, all night. And then there's a triathlon going on as well. <laughs> so let's try and get you know people. People are busy, yes, yeah. especially in our in our fleeting summer evenings. People are very busy, and there's so much going on in Edmonton in the summer mm-hmm. that you know we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure people come down and have a good time. Um, and so there's free park and rides that are available this year from LRT stops and the university area. There's public bike parking, complimentary public bike parking for people who want to ride their bikes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just want people to come down over dinner, you know, have a, a, a beverage and some food, some delicious food truck food, and then stick around for the live entertainment and the races in the evening. Yeah. So the one, one thing that we're doing, if, if you want to get up close and personal with the elites, um, we're selling tickets for $15 and you'll get three beer tickets mm-hmm. and you'll get in the special VIP viewing area. Okay. So that'll be, that'll be a pretty neat experiment. Do you get to a chance to mix and mingle with them once they're done their event for that day or, or how is that? You'll work? be right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's the worst traditionally, uh, and triathlon as a sport has been, you know, here's the grandstands over here right. and, you know, everybody sits in the grandstands and there's the field of play where all the athletes are, you know, you can kind of see them mm-hmm. out there. Uh, this year we're changing things up. So we're putting the spectators in this VIP viewing area and a few other areas. We're putting them right beside the athletes. Okay. So you can literally reach out and touch them while they're running by. And <laughs> please don't grab no, the athletes. Please, don't. <laughs> <laughs> please do not. Yeah. Um, but you, you'll be that close to the action. Yeah. So you're not once removed, but you'll be right there. And then you can, hopefully it'll provide a better experience for the spectators and the athletes. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. What, so what time does the race, do the races begin on Friday? So the the elite women, as women are always first, yeah. so they start at 5.30. 5.30 p.m.? 5.30 p.m. Okay. 5.30 p.m. on Friday. Uh, and it'll be about an hour long. It's yeah. a sprint distance this year, so they race about an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they do a medal ceremony after that. And then the men go at 7.20. Okay, so the party and the races start at the same time. Yep. How inconsiderate of you guys to have this massive, awesome party while the athletes are trying to race. <laughs> you know, like, although it might be motivation for them to finish quicker. Yeah, well, <laughs> Let's get to the beer you get to the beer tent afterwards. And they do, I, I've been to a few of the athletes after parties. They're pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's the, well, that's sort of the hope and that's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. I mean, typically, you know, the athletes, they, they, they're out on the field, um, on the field of play, they race, they go to the recovery tent, they put on their stuff, they leave. Oh, they okay. hop on a bus and away they go. Yeah. We're trying to provide more of an atmosphere so that they will hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these athletes, you know, some of them are pretty big names. I mean, they're on television, they're in TV commercials, they're national recognized individuals in their mm-hmm. countries. Um, and But they're still down to earth. Right. Um, we had Javier Gomez, who's one of the, the best athletes of all time. And he's one of these guys in Spain. He's from Spain. He's on television. He's on TV commercials. He's front page news story when he wins. So in Spain, he's like, he's a branded athlete. He's a branded athlete. Yeah. This is his professional career. He does very well, makes a living off of it. Um, and then when he was here two years ago, we got an email at the office saying, hi, my name, um, I'm a triathlete from Spain. My name is Javier Gomez. Uh, and I was hoping I might be able to hang around for a couple of days and, and train with some local 
clubs. Yeah. Can you recommend any local groups that I could maybe go for a bike ride with? And completely humble, like, no, I just, you know, hi, I'm a triathlete from Spain. Yeah. Javier Gomez. I'd like to, you know, hang around Edmonton. I love the city. Can you suggest a few That's groups amazing. I can train with? And we're like, I, you're Javier Gomez. Yeah. Um, we were going to have to put a cap on it and sell tickets to ride with you. Because in, within this sport, you're huge. Yeah. Um, but just so humble and down to earth. Yeah. And so uh, that's we're trying to capitalize on that. Those are great branding pieces for, mm -hmm. for the organization and for the event, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you've got to put together something around him wanting to stick around <laughs> here and hang out in Edmonton. And yeah. I mean, like, you guys have it at the time of year, like, end of July. The weather here is beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's it's the perfect time. You can, you know, highlight the river valley and mm -hmm. get yeah, great trails. Yeah, and we've had teams that stick around in the past. Like, uh, last year, the New Zealand team hung around for two weeks and trained. Yeah based out of Edmonton because um, they do it like it's just I mean they, they love being hosted by Edmonton mm -hmm. that's what they always say 2014 last time we had the grand final when we pulled all the athletes and said what did you think what did you think did yeah. you like the race was it good all this and they said time and time again the response was you know Edmonton just feels like I'm racing at home yeah I'm so well taken care of everybody's so friendly it's so easy relaxed it doesn't feel like I'm on the road. It feels like I'm at home. Yeah. Um, and so they come back time and time again. Super interesting how that's just such a common theme amongst, you know, all athletes who come for different sports. It's, yeah. you know, that's, it just feels like home. Like mm -hmm. as someone who didn't grow up here and now considers this home, same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it'd be too, too bad you can't, you know, bottle that, figure out what it is, channel that, bottle it up, you know, mm -hmm. sell it. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I'm just trying to think what else I want to ask you guys about this. So how, how can people get involved um, or try it out? Like, do you guys offer, like, individual aspects of the of the triathlon that they can try out? Or if they want to come and just do the race or the, sw the, or the rather the bike or the swim or the run? Yeah, so this year we've actually introduced um, that, uh, like, you could always do, like, a team relay. So mm -hmm. if there's three of you that want to participate someone bikes someone swims someone bikes someone runs <clears throat> you make your own team but this year you can sign up individually mm -hmm. and we'll find you a team Stephen may even be your swimmer <laughs> oh, or Christina <laughs> <laughs> so and there's a there's a new promotional price for that too this year is just $25 and I think the idea for us is we just want you to have a taste of it right and if you're, Exposure, if you're not ready, right? yeah, you're if you're not to ready to do all three disciplines, you don't have to. Yeah. But I'm sure that after you you participate, you'll mm -hmm. be hooked. Okay. Mm -hmm. What does it cost to sign up for uh, for amateurs? Uh, for for the full distance race, it's mm -hmm. hundred and forty dollars. Okay. Um, get your number written on your arm. Get for your that. number written on the arm. <laughs> don't don't important. bathe for a month afterwards. <laughs> you actually get a real decal. Yeah. Oh that yes, that's right. <laughs> it's marker stuff, and it's the or or you can compete in the um, shorter distances or a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the the team is the big thing we're pushing, and right. it's part of our build up towards twenty twenty in hosting the grand final and the world championships mm -hmm. again. Uh, as we want more, we want people involved. So not only will we have the 4,000 or so athletes that are visiting Edmonton competing, we want to have a few thousand local Edmontonians mm -hmm. experiencing the event as well. So we, with the, it's almost, it's kind of like that free hot dog sort of <laughs> attempt, right? It's the, here, have a free hot dog, and then you're hooked, and then you want to buy some more. And right. With the team <laughs> event, making it cheap and easy, and we're, we're not even covering our costs with the, the $25 an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, but we just want people exposed to the sport 
um, because once they're exposed to it, we find more and more that they sign up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it just talking about it makes me want to do it. So July twenty, do do July twenty eighth. I think <laughs> my calendar might be open that day. So we'll, see. <laughs> um, well, we know you can bike. Yeah, 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 as long as I don't have to go 90 kilometers in a day, that was so annoying. <laughs> Actually, 20 day, kilometers, that's it. That's yeah, it's, it's nothing. Day one was fine because the weather was great. I yeah. got out early, did it on my own. And then day two is just rain and wind and like, oh my God, I, d- I didn't have a road bike and I didn't have clip-ins. Mm-hmm. And do you see, like, do you do like, everyone uses like a, a standard road bike and you have clip-ins? No, not no? necessarily. No, not at all. And oh. that's again, one of those kind of misperceptions of triathlons that you've got to have if you got to have a six pack you've got to yeah. have the five thousand dollar road bike <laughs> yeah. you've got to have the fancy race suit and you know flashy little shoes speedo and a little speedo <laughs> yeah and it's the but it's not the case at all quite a few athletes you know they'll ride their cruiser bikes the mountain bikes especially oh, for the first one okay and well, we tell people you know yeah. you don't have to go out and buy all this gear yeah. uh you can swim in your bathing suit you your board shorts if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one year we had George Larock do it, <laughs> and uh, he he did the race in tights. Nice, like not even bathing suit tights. And actually, he just walked around the swim course. He swam for a little bit while all the cameras were on him, and then when he got around the back of the island, he just stood up and walked the rest of the way. <laughs> and then when he came back on the other side of the island, he started swimming again. <laughs> yeah, that guy's got a lot of muscle, and muscle muscle sinks, muscle right. muscle flows. <laughs> So, but he did, and he, I mean, he had a road bike, I am, um, but I mean, we've had Andrew Ferentz do it before on a mountain bike, yeah. um, and we've had a lot of the mayors done it uh, in the past. Yeah, he'd be all over it, I imagine. Yeah, and it's the, so you don't, you don't need the equipment, you need a pair of running shoes, you need a bike, a bike helmet, and some sort of swim shorts and goggles, and that's, that's really all you need to do a triathlon. Did you guys ever see, uh, I think it was done last year, a guy named Ross Edgley did the first triathlon? No. no, he did the triathlon in the Caribbean island of Nevis or Nevis, I think it's called, and he did it with a hundred pound tree. <laughs> you know what? I did see that. <laughs> it was on the cover of Triathlon. Oh, seriously? Yes, yeah. Yes. He's this British uh, fitness uh, researcher and enthusiast yeah. guy, and he's just always pushing sort of the the boundaries of what the human body is capable of. Yeah. Like he pulled a pulled a Mini Cooper around a twenty six mile track. He did a rope climb where he climbed the total distance or height of Everest. Um, right now, he's swimming around Great swimming around Great Britain. Yeah, and then he also did this triathlon with this hundred pound log attached to his back. Just cause, just why? Well, just <laughs> he did it. Yeah, and he did it because that island Nevis is trying to um, become the first carbon neutral uh, mm. island or spot in the world, and so he did it to raise awareness and help them with that. Yeah. And he, he said, like, actually the biking was the hardest part because there was a long stint going uphill. Yeah. And normally you would be able to pull on your handlebars for leverage, but with the tree like weighing him back, oh, wow. he couldn't because he was going to do a wheelie and fall backwards. Yeah. And he said swimming was actually the easiest part because the log floated, yeah. right? <laughs> so you guys, have you ever had anyone attempt these with anything on their back or anything nuts like that? No, I don't think the officials would let that happen. No, no. <laughs> but that's one of the things. It's, I mean, so one of our sort of what we're trying to do and efforts we're trying to do is, is make it more accessible and fun for these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, our event, our event has a bit of a stigma tied to it because it's a professional event and it's the World Series event. Uh, a lot of people think they need to be like at a professional world level, mm-hmm. and it's really tight with the rules and so on and so forth, um, which it can be to a to a point, but um, it doesn't need to be. 
uh, and we're trying to get those rules relaxed a little bit so more people can get involved and right. introduced to it. Right. Um, and it's the, maybe we should have an open tree competition. <laughs> Or something, uh, whoever yeah. <laughs> figure out some way to like you know utilize it for your own you know cause or yeah. raise mm-hmm. awareness in one way or another. Yeah, or no, maybe uh, maybe we could do a race where no road bikes are allowed. Oh, can, fat bikes! A category, fat bike category. Only scooters. Like. Only <laughs> scooters. <around. laughs> or a recumbent bike. Yeah, it's that. Well, these. I mean, so triathlon and technically it's a multi-sport activity, and mm-hmm. the International Triathlon Federation governs multi-sports. Um, and triathlon is just one of those mul- many multi-sports that they govern. But you see more and more popularity in these different multi-sport events. So mm-hmm. not the traditional triathlon, but um, mm-hmm. the swim runs are big in uh, Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. And they're coming over to North America where essentially you and a partner were tethered together. Um, tethered? We're tethered. Literally, we're roped together. Jeez. And you, you it's, it's kind of like what the old orienteering and... Um, adventure racing was yeah so you're given a, a course map and you've got a course that's over like 100 kilometers and it's called a swim run because usually the course takes you across rivers mm-hmm. and over lakes and up mountain passes down and you have to do the whole race as a team par- tethered together literally tethered together and you have to wear you everything you take with you you have to bring out with you mm-hmm. so um, you can wear swim paddles you can wear buoys in your feet to help you so on and so forth right um, but you everything has to be on your body at all times so you've got to wear your running shoes while you're swimming across oh, and then you've got to run with your hand like your paddles in your hands or <laughs> put them on your arm or something like that human uh, and, pl- human <laughs> and when I, I remember first seeing the first one it's called Attila uh, in Norway, I was like, this is so bizarre. Who would <laughs> want to do this? Mm-hmm. And now they're hugely popular. They're the thing to do. Right. Uh, and they sell out across Europe. And then now there's a couple of groups. I even heard that there was a group looking at starting one in, in Edmonton, mm-hmm. where essentially you run through the River Valley and you cross the river a bunch of times as part of the course. <laughs> and it's But they're hugely popular. Yeah. And I think it's just that unique sort of challenge that, yeah. that people are interested in. Well, there's something to be said about like being able to tackle multiple obstacles with like just what you have on you right Mm -hmm. not having to grab a bike or you know not having to grab goggles or Mm -hmm. you know whatever like it's just people like overcoming adversity and and i think that's really cool like that they can incorporate all that and you know we've got such unique topography here in edmonton with the river valley there's lots of different natural obstacles and Mm -hmm. things to overcome so it's a good uh it's a good city to incorporate that Mm -hmm. and everyone likes new stuff too right (laughs) that's it right it's new it's novel yeah it's a challenge it's based off the same sort of fundamentals mm-hmm. but it's yeah so it's that we've been thinking ourselves with our event I mean we've been running mostly the same format of an event for 20 years now um, it's the we're always open for new ideas and and thoughts of how we can kind of shake things up a little bit yeah. so one more time what's the what's the rollout of events you've got the the women at five o'clock on July 27th that's when the party in the park starts. That's You've right. got the men at 7.30. That's right. And then if you do actually get tickets for the, the party for mm-hmm. that special viewing area, we have a bus to take people to the pint on White Ave after oh, okay. when it's all good, done. So the party pl- can continue there. Good, pl- good plug for those guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then on Sundays is the age group races. Okay. During Saturday. The day. Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Sorry. Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the age group races. And then in the evening, well, Three o'clock? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Four o'clock is yeah. the mixed relay event. Okay. So that's when those each country will have their team of four in. Right. That's going to be hugely fun to watch. And those separate from the, the elites that compete on Friday? 
athletes. In a lot of them are the same athletes. Okay. okay. So just like in track and field, you know, the guys that run the 100 meters will also yeah. do the 4 by 100 Okay. Um, and the para-triathletes para, para go when? They're on Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Okay, so they're first. Yeah, yeah, so they're first. They set the tone for everyone else and eliminate all excuses for anyone exactly. who thinks they can't do it as an able-bodied person. Because yeah. they're going to have to go up Emily Murphy Hill a few times. Oh, they do. So that's <laughs> something else that's unique about triathlon is that whether para-athletes, the women, the men, the age groups, they all do the same courses. Yeah. So it's not like there's a special course for men and then a shorter course for women and a, spe- and a flatter course for the paras. And yeah. They all do the same course. Yeah. And then um, when do the when do the amateurs go? Like if I wanted to sign up, when would I go? Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Saturday morning okay. would be your time. Is that with the age groupers or is that a diff- age groupers? Yeah. Okay, yeah. the masters. The masters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's we're. I know everyone would be looking forward to that a great deal, and you know I appreciate you guys coming in to chat about it and. It's uh, you know it's just another example of people pushing Edmonton into the world stage, which is, you know, something that's great. And I think you know we need to do more of. You know, yeah. if we can get these kind of things year round, we get Red Bull crashed ice in the mm-hmm. winter, this in the summer. You know, just need to get the Oilers into the playoffs, yeah. and, get, <laughs> and then we'll get the spring covered off, and then yeah. we just need something great in the fall, and we'll be a year round city. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank We're, you so much. No problem. Where can people go to uh, to find out more information to register and to see kind of dip well, their toe in? Yeah. So all information will be on our website, mm-hmm. and that would be edmonton.triathlon.org. Okay. And then we have social media, the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and our handle is WTS Edmonton. Okay. World Triathlon Series. Just one word, WTS Edmonton? Yes. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Sorry. all that? All of that. Awesome. Cool. Christina, Steven, thanks for coming in, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank thanks you. for having us. All right. Hey guys, still figuring out my schedule. Uh, might be in town, might be out of town for work, but hit me up if you want to hit that triathlon with me. Uh, could be fun. Let me know. See you next week. <laughs>